I don't know. I don't even know what my question is, but like, how do you? I, I know what we're, you're saying. We're getting to that point. Yeah, that's that's the big. That's the big. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's no. the the real pot experience. Yeah, I love I, it. Season feels it drops inside the ten down to the five. The Harvard sideline. He's across the thirty to the forty. He's able to fend off the defender and bring in the game's first touchdown. Yeah. So what is that podcast called? It's called like Momentum. I was really nervous about meeting you. Um. And I didn't become like not nervous until I figured out that you're 24 years old. Because <laughs> I'm younger, or older than you expected. I I really thought you were much older. Do you get that a lot? Like I feel like you've mature, like you give off just straight mature vibes. Like things are like <laughs> together. And yeah. do you do you feel that too? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, I didn't realize you were 24. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's like, awesome. Though. I think it's really cool. That's super. Newly like, I, too, April 30th. A, I saw that oh. April 30th. I'm I'm March 1st. And 17th. wait, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm older than you. Sheesh, it's been a long week. But no, that that's that's like, I know, so happy that you're on, and like, I'm glad that we're, we're just gonna have a fluid conversation. But I'm not gonna lie, like I was re I'm, until we started talking too a little bit, I was just really really nervous. Um, about talking with you. Well, I'm a big loser, so there's nothing to be. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably about. I'm probably a bigger loser than, than you. And Mo's uh, the biggest of I'm us. The biggest. <laughs> people say that though that I have like I always seem. Ha I get this a lot from people on Instagram. Is I'm always seem happy and I'm so positive and I constantly have to tell people I'm a human. Like I have bad days. I have bad moods. Like. I break down over, you know, X, Y, Z, but yeah. yeah, I've gotten that I'm mature and I frequently get that I'm always happy, which to me is like the weirdest thing to receive because I don't feel that way. I mean, it can kind of look like that, you know, Yeah. But just definitely from the outside looking in. Um, I mean, I haven't like followed you too closely and quite honestly, like my girlfriend has like briefed me on a lot about you. <laughs> so it's really cool now to meet you. Um, but yeah, just from like what I hear, it's like, I mean, it's always like giving advice and it's always like showing who you are. And sometimes, you know, that comes like from a position of like almost power and stuff. And I think we look at that as like someone that's has it put together and that's, that's happy. That's content with where they are in life. For sure. I would say that I am constantly learning and constantly growing and constantly struggling. So something about my platform that I like to keep, uh, uh real for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. Everything I post is try to be real is that I don't have all the answers and I don't ever want to be an account that seems like answer driven. Cause there's like motivational speakers who you follow. Like I've never seen Tony Robbins cry. Like Tony mm. Robbins always seems like he's on his game. Yeah, I don't true. ever want to put that out into the world cause it's not the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like literally I think it was yesterday I posted about um, the doctor. A, this is a long story. I won't have to get into but basically a doctor told me to like adjust my diet a little bit and I got like mm. really triggered and I started to cry and I like freaked out and I posted all about that because I wanted people to know that even though I come off like, hey, this is how I have a healthy relationship with food. This is how I do X, Y, Z or as a female athlete that one call from the doctor and one comment, I started crying and my whole day was ruined. Like yeah. I'm not better than anyone. So I try to incorporate that often because I don't ever want to seem like a preacher for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah. yeah, of course. I was listening to that podcast actually, when you told the story, and I, I th it really moved me just because you were so open and for lack of a better term, real, real pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I guess my question is like, where does that courage come from to be so open and like, and confident within like, 
you know, perceived insecurities that like, you know, other people would have and wouldn't be willing to share? Well, a lot of it, I track back to being an athlete at SC. Um, I feel like, and you guys probably relate just having been all of you like collegiate athletes, elite athletes, especially at like prestigious, whether it's prestigious sports school, prestigious academic school, both, um, that people look at you like, oh, you go to this school and you're an athlete, like you must live the life and things must be awesome and you should be great. And my freshman year at SC was really hard. Like I, it was the irony of I'm a walk-on, I'm, I'm playing, we're the number one team in the country and number one seed in the tournament and I'm so nervous to play that I can't even go to bed at night and my eyes are watering before the game. And so going through that and feeling like, holy shit, there's this whole side of sports that no one's talking about. Like, I had to go through that. Then I got depressed. Then I went to see a sports psych at uh, the health center. And then when I started to realize, oh, my gosh, like, th this is what happened to me. This happens to a lot of athletes. Why is no one talking about this? Yeah. Then the side of me that's, like, yeah, put together, aggressive, passionate, was, like, something needs to change. And so, and I was a journalism major, and I love storytelling. So that's why I wanted to kind of share what I'd been through almost out of like for the sake of comforting some athlete somewhere else who was also feeling less than or feeling insecure, feeling like an imposter. So it was less about, I wasn't even thinking about what other people would think of me. I was just thinking of the person who would Google depressed athlete and then like find my Ted talk because mm. when I Googled depressed athlete, I didn't find much. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we got to slice that apart, though. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there, there's, there's, there. so yeah. It seems like it started with performance anxiety. Is that is that accurate? And that's what you just recorded now with, with a specialist in yeah, that field, right? Yeah, I, it started with performance anxiety. And I actually, my mentor from SC, who's an alum and an Olympian from the volleyball program, uh, we just did an episode on performance anxiety because I feel like so many athletes are like, I love my sport. I've been playing it forever. I'm really good at it. Like, I'm playing at Harvard. I'm playing at SC. But for some reason, I can't figure out how to make it happen on the field, on the court. Like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, it was the overthinking, the fear of getting benched, the fear of making a mistake. And then you have that athlete mentality of, like, well, you're supposed to be, like, on one of the best teams in the country. And you're a starter. And you're supposed to be good. And, like, the best don't rest. And don't make excuses. Yeah. Don't be soft. Those are the things we hear. And so I, I, that was, like, a double whammy of, like, well... I don't feel like I'm supposed to have these emotions, so I'm going to pretend I'm not having them. Mm. And then suppressing that led to even a darker place. <laughs> so uh, I actually had an experience with performance anxiety. And and I'm curious, as you hear this, you know, for me, it was high school. Like, I felt it a little bit. But it wasn't until college, and it wasn't until I graduated transferred to Vandy, and then I got the cheese, like, as the levels started to rise, my performance anxiety started to exacerbate. And for me, it was, and, and I hope that I'm saying this right, for me it was before the game, like, I couldn't eat, and I would throw up before almost every game. Is that is that something that you experienced, or, or you know, was it like a game thing, or was it just, you know, the sport, it's, sport itself, like practice or anything like that? Well, first of all, I mean, thanks for sharing that. Of course. And those are definitely symptoms of anxiety. Right. And I think everyone's symptoms are different. Um, mine was definitely all around playing the sport. I think gotcha. it was like the pressure of 
you know, we're undefeated 22 and oh, the national player of the year is my teammate. Like it was just never wanting to make a mistake or do anything wrong. And it was very volleyball centric. I know there's people who have social anxiety, they have test anxiety. Mm. Mine was, I mean, now I kind of, I struggle with some social anxiety, but I feel like we all might coming out of literally living under a rock. Um, but yeah, it was very much tied to how I'm playing on the court. And I think you guys know as college athletes, like every single day you're statted. I mean, it's like you go from the bliss of playing as a high school athlete and like you're the best in your town and like everyone, whatever. And then you go to school and it's like every time you touch the ball, someone's making a tick and it's good or bad. Oh, and then there's someone in front of you and someone behind you and someone recruited to replace you. And we're comparing the numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what uh, fueled it a lot. Yeah. So, like, given that's what it is at the D1 level, like, what would you suggest to someone going through it who's maybe battling, like, an imposter syndrome or this performance anxiety? Like, what are, like, some tidbits that someone could take and then improve that situation? So I'll actually have some good answers for you guys because I'm coming off of yeah, a recording exactly. with, <laughs> yeah. with a two-time Olympian, future sports psychologist. I wow. mean, she's mentored by, I don't know if you guys know Dr. Mike Gervais, but yeah. one of the best. He does a lot of Lee 11 stuff. Yeah, that, that's their, that's her mentor. She's his mentee. I mean, oh, she's, wow. she's brilliant and she was an Olympian, so she's done it all. And a few things she shared with me today that were really powerful are, I mean, the first thing is anxiety is fu- very future oriented, sometimes past, but it's most of the time, what's going to happen? Am I going to make a mistake? Am I going to lose? Mm. Like you're mind is not in the now it's in the future and so to kind of quell anxiety you want to get back to the present moment you want to get in the now and the more that you try to get away from your anxiety and you don't want to feel it and you're like oh my god stop this needs to go away the more you fuel it but if you just take that deep breath and you experience it it, it'll start to quiet. And so a big thing we talked about today was how like presence is the antidote is one of the antidotes to anxiety. And then secondly, and this is something I loved is getting really clear on like who you are. What is your purpose for doing anything? Like what is your purpose for playing football? What's your purpose for doing whatever it is in your life? Getting super clear on your philosophy so that in a moment where you feel threatened, in a moment where you're like, oh my God, what if I make a mistake? What if I get pulled? What if everyone laughs at me? You can call on who you are at your core, like your root core belief. And I think that's super powerful to to know. And that's like inner work that people have to do off the court, off the field, so that in those intense moments, they're like, wait, I, I got my own back. Is that last part? I'm sorry, bro. That was really deep. <laughs> like, hold on. Can we, we, we're, we, at some point, we're going to have to lighten the mood, but like my chest was like pumping Nothing. right there. Like I, I, had, I had flashbacks, so I was a pump returner. I'm, I'm lightening up the mood. I'm sorry. I have to. It's too much for <laughs> sorry, me. Sorry, right this, this is my flaw. I, I like, I have to go deep. I can't yeah. have a service level I know. <laughs> but like, I'm taken back to like when I was at Vandy and I was catching a punt against like my first one of my first punts against like Georgia and I'm sitting back there I'm waiting for the punt and like like what you said like I'm I'm literally worried about dropping in front of all these freaking fans like that that's that's what I was worried I was like I I just can't drop the ball um funny enough after the third game I saw a sports psychologist and kind of going back to what you said about being present is something that she told me at the time was like really just focus on just doing something you've always done you know instead of worrying about like I need to catch this ball or like I need to score this touchdown. Let's like break it down to like the most basic level thing, which is like seeing the ball off the foot 
And then once you see the ball off the foot, like your body just, since you've done it so much, will just naturally carry you to do everything else. And then when you just, then the next host is just catching the ball. Um, you know, either doing one of the two, but like not worrying about like scoring a touchdown, not worrying about like everything else in the stadium and also just smiling back there is something that she told me. Gratitude um, is one of the ways to get back into the present moment is to look around and say how grateful I am to be playing in front mm, of these people. That makes more sense. I'm on this stage. Yeah. Like, like I said, presence is one of the antidotes to anxiety. So is gratitude. So is joy. Mm. You know, those emotions can really center you. Yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, I, I had to I had to say something, but also I had to like <laughs> cut it real quick because I'm like, yeah. dude, my chest my chest was honestly like pumping right there. I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah, I, I felt like I was like back into the stadium. Like, oh, I remember like, going that Georgia game actually. That yeah, you mentioned with the pun returning. Yeah, so, like were you in your head? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. I'm in my head. Like I'm seeing everything around me. I'm just like, whew, this yeah. is this is too much. Instead of like the gratitude aspect of it. Yeah. Do you guys feel like that trigger though? Like for me, playing as like goalkeeper and like. You know, they're down the field and they're starting to run. Like, I feel the anxiety because it's like it goes through all of them. It, it can't go by me, you know? So it's like for me, I'm always like shoulders back, head up. Like, or like I make this motion where I'm just like stand still and I immediately like triggers in me, like kind of shuts everything off. Like, do you guys have like a trigger point where you're like, okay, take a breath, like get ready for the ball to be served? Like, do you guys have like a moment? Because I feel like otherwise, if my thoughts kind of just start to flood in my head, yeah. unless there's, I'm just like, okay, go now. Yeah, I've definitely gotten anxiety, like, playing quarterback. Definitely, like, you know, big games in the SEC and all that, and then now I'm here at USC. But what's helped me a lot is uh, self-talk. And so I just have to remind myself, like, how good I am and convince myself of that because mm -hmm. I just get in my head about it and I'll just find things like, oh, I had a bad practice on Tuesday. Like, I don't deserve to be here. And it'll be, like, I guess a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, why me starting in the SEC or, you know, here in the Pac-12? So I'll just, like, a, a recurring theme just in my head, you know, like, I'm the best or, like, you know, so, something like that, yeah. like a little phrase. That's great. And yeah. to go on another tangent here where I feel like I'm just quoting the best in the field, but <laughs> yeah. I'm obsessed with, like, absorbing knowledge from the greats. And I feel like nowadays we live in a society where experts are putting their wisdom on f online for free. And so something Dr. Mike Gervais talks about is, like, confidence comes from self-talk. And people will say, like, oh, confidence comes from, like, past experience. Confidence comes from X, Y, Z. And he's adamant about your inner dialogue. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, let's say we've all had a good game before. But that doesn't stop us from being anxious about the next game if we're saying, well, what if that game was a fluke? What if I mess up this one? So I think that's a great point. And I similarly had games at SC where I was, like, I literally was, like, I'm the shit. I'm the shit. I'm the shit. I'm the yeah. shit. And I just said over and over. So a th another thought couldn't creep in. You have to get cocky with yourself, you too. You have to. Yeah. And then uh, there's a thought comes in. It's like, you're not that good. I'm like, I'm the shit. I'm the shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you have to just throw great things out there in the universe. Like, just real positive things. And, I, and that's something that um, I don't want to keep going back to my sports psychology. But that's something that she said, too. It's like, just, you know. The gratitude is one aspect, but it's just the fact that you're just being positive around you. Now, honestly, quite honestly, like I think it's just a great life thing, right? It's just being it's being really positive. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Well, okay. So something you said earlier resonated with me as well. It's like having an identity outside of sports, because you know if if I have a bad day on the football field, then my identity is all tied within football. Then sure, I'm gonna feel shitty about myself because that's my entire life. And we were talking about this with Max, you know, your boyfriend, of course, um, and. So, you know, everything was going well for him. And then, I mean, you know the story better than anyone. But, you know, he, he ends up getting benched, uh, I think, after a Stanford game or something like that. And 
um, you know, as, as a prized recruit and, and you work your entire life for something and then you just see it crash. But then he was able to find, you know, solace in like relationships with you, family and like extracurriculars. So I think that's really important too. And I see a lot of my teammates and I mean, student athletes around the country, right? But like their, their identity is literally solely tied to this one thing. And that's something I learned the hard way. And if your identity is tied to your sport, and if we like really think about that, that's like every time I go back to serve, my life is on the line. Yeah. Of course I'm anxious. Like if your identity is your sport, I mean, how could you even, that's like, that That to me is like an image of like your family being held at gunpoint and they're like, if you don't win, everyone dies. Like that's yeah. what we're thinking when we're super tied to our sport. And so when, I think like, especially like sports culture sets us up to, to kind of like mentally fail and, I guess it's harsh, but like, think about it this way. Sports culture is like, oh, you can't have a plan B. It's not if we win, it's when we win. Like there's all these things they tell you so that for example, someone like Max feels like he's accepting loss if he fathoms a lifestyle without sport. Like I actually think I play better when I, when I accept that it, hey, if I were to get benched, my life would go on and I'd be happy one day. Cool, now I can actually play free because I'm like, I will survive the worst case scenario. Yeah. So when athletes have like no plan B, it's when we win. I'm like, you're just putting more weight on your own back. <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes you figure that out too late. So for me, it's injury. And most people, it is injury because you're sidelined. And then right now, you know, my ACL, but even before then. So that's how I started this organization, like this truck that we're in where we distribute food. Um, that's how I found interest outside of football and met people outside of the sport itself. But I think, you know, hopefully if you're watching this message and like hopefully it's before a traumatic event like that, you can find that identity. I think it helps a lot. I don't know if you've had an experience like that, but. I mean, for me, I don't want to say I epitomized that, but while I was with the Chiefs, also had a chance to go back to Goldman. Yeah. And so, like, as every day I went out there, I was like, all right, like, if my time here is up, like, I have a pretty good job that everyone else, everyone else wants on the other side. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think that also does, like, play into, like, how I approach things. Like, there is one aspect of it being free, but there's also, like, you know, like guys that are growing up in, you know, middle of Louisiana and New Orleans out in the hood, like that's all they have. That's all they have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like yeah. the 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 hunger and the bite is not as is not as strong when you know, you have something kinda like you can fall back on. Sometimes yeah. at least at least in my opinion. That's and that's kinda my experience. Well that's the coach's perspective too, right? And so like they're that old school mentality that's like if you're not all in on football or volleyball or whatever sport, then the guy who is is gonna take your spot and then put more time in and be better. Right. And to your point, like, I think that's a great point. Everyone has different situations and that might be their only way out or that might be what they want to give back to their family. Yeah. I think, too, just that perspective of like, OK, I'm still going to be loved if this doesn't work out, because with anxiety, I think our, our mind can be so catastrophic that like we truly think our world's going to end. And then when we dissect, like, what does world ending mean? Like, are there other paths to greatness? Are there other ways to do X, Y, Z? Um, but it's deep stuff. And I, I don't think it's being encouraged yeah. Yeah. for athletes to talk about. I mean, even you guys mentioned, like, you haven't had a girl on the podcast, but also, like, we talked kind of before we started about how what I talk about is a little bit deeper. And I just think it's still kind of taboo. And, like, when I go talk to schools and I talk to male athletes, you know, I, I know in the beginning they're like, mm, who's this chick? Like, she doesn't oh, know sure. what the grind is. Like, yeah. for you know, sure. They, yeah. they don't even, there's, yeah. So I know that I'm walking in, like, with low points. Like, I got to earn yeah. respect. But, I mean, just 
that's why like in that situation, I'll bring in a video of like a Kobe Bryant or I'll start quoting some dudes because I'm like, this is my only way through is, hey, Michael Phelps goes to therapist. So it's not just me, like (laughs) this is the goat. Um, But I think it's so important because there's so much more opportunity. And Max and I talk about this all the time. Like there's so many guys that don't make it in football. So many, but, but a lots of those guys, like they don't apply those same skills that they had that made them awesome at football to the next thing. Um, yeah, now I'm just like ranting, but I think athletes are special breed is what I'm saying. And I think they have potential on and off whatever the court is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's, it's nice to hear that. And I, and, and I think why a lot, a lot of athletes fail is they just don't hear that from someone that they at least respect. You know, maybe that they're not hearing that, they're not hearing that from their coaches because the coaches have ulterior motives. Um, but I know I completely agree with that. And I wish a lot of athletes had like a foundation strong enough where like family is like, you know, always in the ear about that. Now, like, Hey, like, like I hear like, especially when, I mean, it was for you, like when you're growing up, it's like, Oh, this kid's in like in the sixth grade, like this guy's going to be, you know, the next oh, yeah. whatever like the biggest thing and it's and there's nothing else like tied to that it's all like what he's going to be in so that's that's kind of like what frames that kid's mind for the rest of his life yeah i'm curious like so you've been you know in in this awareness kind of field for for some time now like what do you think the answer is on this level on like a university level like if you were an athletic director like a head coach or, or some sort of supervisor like what kind of systems might you implement to aid this there's so many things. Um, if we if we zone out to like a high level, there's many schools. Unlike, I'll use an SC because I don't know what the accessibility or resources are at Harvard. But like terrible. SC, <laughs> terrible. Oh gosh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, It's because USC USC rolls out the red carpet in all yeah. aspects, and so you need a sports psychologist. They have one of the best in the country. Like you need a psychiatrist. That's where I got my meds. So they roll out the red carpet. So one big issue is there's so many athletes that they're like, okay, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to ask for help, which is the big hard thing to do. And then on the other side of that ask, they're like, well, we can't see you for four weeks. That's one whole problem is like, we need some regulation and some order so that you can't have many athletes and teams if you can't properly give the support to them. Um, and then secondly, I would just say like at a, at a zone in on like each university level, I think it's the coaches, you know, they're at the top of the pyramid. They decide who's playing. Like we seek their validation in so many ways. And I think it's really curriculum and programming for coaches to start starting these conversations, validating the issues, because as Justice just said, that's going to trickle down to the players. Like if you know, like something Max always said is like, he started seeing a psychologist his sophomore year, but he didn't tell anyone because he was like, well, what am I going to tell coach? You have two quarterbacks and one of them seeing a psychologist. Like maybe he's going to think I'm less than, which sucks. Um, So having the coaches talk about it is huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, coach is definitely going to see that. Um, And like NFL scouts too. Like you're not taking a guy. Yeah. yeah, You're not taking a guy like that. I mean, you could, but it, it depends on the coach, right? Like a new generation, like a McVay or them, I can see them. No. Is it still? No, dude. I don't know. You're not. You're not taking that bet. Yeah. Especially like first round. Like, hey, like this guy might struggle. Like he might not be fully there for practices, and you know there might be times where he's just checked out. No, you're hey, not taking after that. After your TED talk, oh, did was there any like drastic change within the athletic department, or was there a shift of like athletes being like, oh yeah, I want to do this, or did anybody within the university be like, did you guys see this TED talk? Like maybe we should switch on or do more like did your ted talk impact the university's 
awareness, I guess. Well, so definitely a lot of my teammates and student athletes were more open. And I knew that also prior, which is why I wanted to do it as I was like, this is, I I felt comfortable in knowing there's so many people that need this message. For sure. I'll (laughs) say like USC did so much to support amplifying my voice. Like, I mean, they allowed me to do a Players Tribune video when I was in school. They signed off on me letting the Players Tribune to come in and and work with teammates. Like, so they did a lot. I mean, I delivered that TED Talk and it was fine. So they did a lot to support me, um, which was great. And I think in general, so many schools and the conversation of mental health has made such a big jump in such a small amount of time. Um, But at the end of the day, I always think like there's, people that want the change then there's people that are resistant or old-fashioned or or whatnot Honestly scared i know a lot of people who are like just like scared to like they were, like they were saying to like yeah. seek help to go and do that for sure and i think that's the role that your podcast and platform serves as well i see on my instagram feed all the time people uh like tagging you citing you um <laughs> with their photos and like thanks to victoria like you know i'm not you know ashamed of my body like all these kinds of things that people are more willing to be uh I guess themselves because of you. And I don't know if that would have been the case without your platform and the things you've saying. So like I've seen it firsthand, I'm literally scrolling on my feed and like you're everywhere. So I I think, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Thanks. That's the hope is that people feel confident in being vulnerable. Yeah. And I, and I think to piggyback on that or dovetail as we use in the finance world, um, That was supposed to be funny. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> <Not> funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that joke for, bro? We're not it's for me. For <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone on our demos. Is gonna <laughs> not on a plane, no. All right. To dovetail what I was, what what uh, Mo just said, it seems like men are really hard to break through. And I'm curious, like, do you have a lot of men that reach out to you, or is that, you know, is that is is that there or? Well, it's my absolute favorite when dudes reach out. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to like I. I will like to say I treat everyone the same, but every once in a while, if I do come across a DM from like a football player to D3 or like a baseball player to whatever school, I will be like, here's my cell. Let's have, uh, let's call, let's talk. Because yeah. I know how hard it is for them to even send that and to talk about it that I'm like, let's, let's have a, let's talk about this. And um, I just, there's so many times like to tell you guys a cool story that hits. Um, I spoke at a school and I played this clip of Kobe Bryant and Kobe came to USC and I had a really cool opportunity to ask him a question. Um, and I was grateful to continue, you know, talking with him afterwards. But on the stage that day, I asked him about mental health. And this was last year, a week after the accident, everyone's wearing Kobe jerseys. It was hard for me to even want to speak because... Actually, it was like the day after, if I'm jotting my memory now. Anyways, I played this video of Kobe, and Kobe was essentially saying, like, Mamba mentality is about recognizing weakness or recognizing something that needs attention and putting the time in there. And if that's mental health, like, let's walk hand in hand with it. Let's address it. It's not a bad thing or something to be ashamed about. And this football player came up to me afterwards you know, wearing his, his jersey. And he was just like, almost in tears, like Kobe's been my inspiration to suppress my depression, my anxiety. Mm. And like, just seeing him say, oh, I'm not any less Mamba. I'm not any less tough, gritty. Like just 
oh, the, like how freeing this, this kid felt. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and just going back to guys in general, there is this societal pressure to be masculine, to be tough, to not cry, um, to not be weak, to not be soft, even though I'm a mental health advocate and I talk about this all the time. And Max is really vulnerable and transparent. Like and he came on my podcast and he almost cried, but I still even see it in him. Like, you know, this, this need to be optimistic or, or whatever it is. And I just think it's, it is harder for guys. It is because of that. Men are tough, you know, men are strong. So it's hard. Yeah. No, it's really difficult. Yeah, sure. I've I've never heard of that mama mentality quote. I think that's really cool. I'll send you guys the video. It's yeah, it's powerful. Please do. It reminds me of the uh, the Naomi Osaka deal mm-hmm. right now, which I'm sure you know all about. I don't know if you've seen that, but you yeah. know, like the number two tennis player in the world, she just withdrew from the French Open, um, and it's this kind of polarizing thing um, where there's the debate like should you should you do the press conference or is mental you know should mental health be prioritized right. Um, but I think it's really cool, like the stand she's making. And I think it's drawn a lot of attention to, to the cause. I was just curious what you thought about it. Yeah, it's definitely brought the attention, which is great. And I think we've seen lots of athletes talking about their personal experience, which is awesome. You have Kevin Love comes out and expresses his performance, anxiety, and his depression and his suicidal thoughts. You have DeMar DeRozan, you have Simone Biles, Ali Raisman, you have all those athletes. And I think Naomi's situation and that controversy, um, has called on all the athletes in between, like the Steph Curry, the Kyrie Irving, the people who don't necessarily have a story or they haven't shared one, but they're coming in just like, hey, we see you, Naomi, like respect and we're on your side. I think that's big because it's the first time we've seen like the athletic community rally behind someone's mental health struggles. That's huge. That That was deep. Yeah. I, again, like we're at a level right now. Maybe that's just like, <laughs> like, do you like just go over like friend's house and you just like just make it super deep? Like, no, 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 like, I don't. And like, we can be. And like, what, like I, like, what's the Victoria Garrett outside of all this? Like, yeah. what, like, what do you do? Like, this, like, this has I'm to be not, like. I promise, I'm not always deep and dark. And I, and I honestly, yeah. I prefer mental health conversations not to be deep and dark. Like, I, well, yeah. I just think we should be able to talk about them and like. It, it's not, it doesn't have to be deep and scary, but maybe because it's so unusual for you guys, it is seeming <laughs> deep and scary. Yeah. But, but um, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, like I outside, of, outside, I'm, like I'm outside of social, yeah, like outside of social media, like just daily life, like what, like what, you know, well, what do you love to do? That like, might what, help her answer this. Like what she well, loves wanted, to eat? No, I wanted to ask her about the um, <laughs> a restaurant. restaurant. I wanted wise. to ask her about uh, the story that Max was telling us when when he first met Victoria. Remember oh that? yeah, I want to hear the stories. Because I think uh, I think you responded. I think I put it on my story or something. You were like, "Oh, the story's way longer than it actually, or than he actually." The uh, first date story. Yes, that that was. Wait, part I remember. Of it. Was it the first date? No, it was something else. You can. It, it's the next tab if you want to play like a minute of it or something. Oh wow, it. we're pulling out <laughs> the, the the roll the tape. Yeah we. Chess is out. Good player. <laughs> My yeah. girlfriend's a big Warriors fan, so that oh, was wow. like the summer ice break, like the next summer. And I was like, yeah, I want to come over, and we chilled, and yeah. we've been dating ever since. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. we we summed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, he said he took you to Chipotle on the first yeah. date, and then um, I guess like your first time hanging out, you guys watched like the OJ Simpson doc. Yeah. So number one, I just want to know what are you thinking when you go to Chipotle? On the first day, because okay, to give I know right, it's bad to give him some credit. We had been 
it was one of those things where we had like been flirting and knew each other for like a year and then we finally had the OJ hangout and then like hung out for the next six days in a row. And then it was like one of the nights, it happened to be five, we were both hungry and we were like, let's get dinner. So it was super casual. Like I had been there since noon and we like just went to get dinner. So it wasn't like he said, hey, do you want to go on a date with okay. me, dress up, I'll pick you up at eight and take you to Chipotle. <laughs> like I would have been like, no. <laughs> but um, so we, uh, so then we like rolled over into Chipotle. Okay, That's why it was okay. our first date. And then in terms of um, everything else, I mean... I don't know. It's like such a long story, but now I'm thinking about what you just said and what? when we well, my seriousness. I think oh, I think yeah. when I do talk about I think when I do talk about mental health, I get like I definitely you go get into a mode. I do. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> yeah. I, Trust me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's, it's fine. Because I get super passionate about it. But um but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely <laughs> understand it. I think yeah. my, my girlfriend calls me out. Like when I start talking like Wall Street, and I start talking about, like, I don't know. The markets. The markets, geopolitics and stuff. Like, I, I go in. Like, you know, you want to talk China? You want to talk yeah. Russia? Like, yeah. any news that come out, like, I go in. So I, I can totally, like, see where you're coming from. It's just, like, it was, it was I mean, it, it's great. Like, it's so great. <laughs> but, like, speaking of the do thing, like, we're talking about mental health, and we're and you guys are guys, and you guys host yeah. this show. Like, I'm sure this is out of the ordinary for your conversations here. Oh, which, which that plus my intensity <laughs> <laughs> is a lot. <laughs> no, it's great. We this need great. it. I'm we learning need it, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the first things I was going to say is like, just school me. Like, just, just like, yeah. Educate like, me. Like, educate me. Like, that's, that's like, how, how I feel, at least. And yeah. it looks well, like, yeah. I want to ask you, is this the first time you've talked about what you've been through, or is that something that people, like, know? Like, um, people yeah. listen to this and be like, whoa, Justice, I had no idea? At least on the show, yeah, for sure. Um, but I've, you know, partnered with, um, it's called My my Huddle. I don't know if you ever heard of yeah. it. Um, and former Harvard women's soccer player created it. Um and I've talked about it on there a little bit. And, you know, I've shared it with, like, my Vandy teammates. And it's funny. Like, I'll, I'll have some people come up to me um, and, and talk to talk to me about it on the low and, you know, don't really feel too comfortable sharing it with other right. people. But, you know, it's one, it's one of those barriers of, you know, seeing a psychiatrist or seeing a sports psychologist. And um, it's just a barrier that a lot of male athletes, I feel like, go through, um, especially in college, and especially when you're competing with other people. Um, that are right next to you and like I think it's different from the league a little bit um, you know because everyone's in the league and you know the coaches aren't really going to have too much an influence you're probably not going to be meeting with someone that's in the building but in college like you're usually meeting with someone that's in the building and I think that makes a big difference as well yeah for sure well that's super cool because yeah. obviously you talking about it makes a big difference for guys yeah no definitely it's like Just, we're going did you ever try to like talk to anyone at Harvard when you were there um, no, because I, I didn't really address it when I was at Harvard. Um, and I should have, uh, quite honestly. And I, it's funny, like, I feel like I would have been a much better player yeah. if I would have addressed it earlier. Like, if I, if I would have addressed it in high school, like, I would have been a better player then. So it's, yeah. you know, unfortunately, I didn't. Did they have any, like, resources for you? Or, like, did the team ever, like, bring it up or ever have talks? No, no. I think that was one of those teams where it's like, how you point out it's like tough mentality, like let's be grinders, let's be gritty, you know. No excuses. Fit, no excuses. <laughs> excuses are tools of incompetence. But I, like, <laughs> I went to a school, it was a power five, and like they had a big thing on the wall that was essentially like 
don't make excuses. And I was like, mm. oh, God. Yeah. I was like, we need to rearrange this. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? Because, like. About the no excuses? Yeah, because you're kind of a no excuses type guy, though. Uh, he didn't on, want. Put I'm gonna put blast. you on blast. Put so on blast. Like, we can't just like just be following hey, all the time. I'm about well, the grind. Yeah. I think you 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 if you want to be an elite athlete, yeah. you have to run when you don't want to run. You got to wake up when you don't want to wake up. Like that is not. I think there's mental toughness mm-hmm. and there's mental health. They're mm-hmm. different. I mm-hmm. hate it when people who are clinically depressed are being told mental toughness, and then I also hate when people are just like, eh, I don't feel like working hard. It's like right. okay. So if like if you're not depressed, then you should push through it, right? It's like, is well, that what you're saying? I'm saying so. I'll get this is sorry, good edu- sorry, oh, this is good education. I, got, I gotta go deep now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so so if we define the two, mental health is a state of well-being. So it's like physical health, like when you show up and you you have your legs and you're walking, like you're physically healthy. It's a state. It's like the baseline. Okay. Mental toughness is an ability, it's like a skill you could train to push past adversity, challenge, you know, with optimism and with with courage. And so how do they relate? And this is a Mike Gervais quote once again is um, mental, uh, mental wellness is a state um, required, sorry, mental wellness is the state and mental toughness is the bridge to peak performance. So you need to be mentally well as like your baseline. And then mental toughness is how you build to a sustainable peak performance where you're like, you're really the best, you're the greatest. But you can't sustain greatness if you're not well. And you also can't reach greatness if you're not tough. But do you see how there's a difference? And so like, if we look at mental injuries as physical injuries, if you have a tear your ACL, no one's like, Mo, shake it off, like sleep it off, we want you to (laughs) practice tomorrow. But when someone is depressed, which is a severe injury, they're told, sleep it off, come to practice tomorrow. So I just think we need to identify the two. And like if a coach thinks his athlete's not trying hard, can he just call him in and be like, yo, how are things at home? How are things in your life? Like, are you struggling? Do you need to help you meet the psychologist? Or are you just not trying hard today? And then they know, and then if they say they're not trying hard, then yeah, scream at them, get get them on the line. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like, it it gets kind of blurry though, I feel like. Because, like, there's that famous Muhammad Ali quote where it's, like, I hated every second of training. And so, like, like how do you view that? Like, like some parts of training are inherently miserable, right? Like, yeah. like a really hard conditioning session or something like that. So, like, I don't know. I don't even know what my question is. But, like, how do you? I, I know what you're we're, saying. We're getting to that point. Yeah. That's that's the big, that's the big, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's no. the, the real pot experience. Yeah, I love I, it. I know. I totally get what you're saying. And I think... Even like Kobe has some quotes that are, you know, wild quotes about work ethic. training sessions, Um, And I do think every person knows their limit, hopefully. Like if you have the awareness, like I know when I'm in the gym and I'm like, I have more in me. And I know when I'm like, shit, I've been on E for the past hour. I have nothing. Mm. Like I think you know in your heart of hearts if you can go one more. And actually one of my favorite quotes from Kobe's novel that came out geese are never swans is sometimes it takes more strength to hold back than it does to push and that's such an underrated sentence in sports it's always like push 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 do you know how much harder it is for an athlete to say i don't have it in me right now it's so much harder to admit that you need rest and recovery yeah yeah you got to pick your battles when you when you say that one 
Kobe's the poster child of it. And so for him to say that, I think it's very powerful. And I don't even know if that's advertised enough because I had no idea about that. Did you? No. Because, like, I always hear the crazy stories, like, you know, dribbling till 4 a.m. You, you hear it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. his thing. That's his shtick. And so I but had some no people, idea. Some people are built different. Like, Kobe might be able built to. Different. Kobe <laughs> might. Not that you're not, but, <laughs> death, like. Death built some, different. Yeah. Kobe, like, even when you look at, like, the last dance in Jordan, he, like, lived and breathed greatness he was always in flow state like that's just different like for me to even touch that level would take a lifetime of yeah. effort and energy um so i do think like that's why i'm saying everyone's different and sometimes you need to know like my freshman year at sc i was like i gotta outwork everyone i gotta outwork everyone in my position if she stays i'm staying if she does more i'm doing more that just drove me crazy. I got such bad performance anxiety. I was playing when I wasn't able to play. And then my senior year, I was a starter. And girls were saying I should do extra reps. And I was I was sat there. I was like, you know what? I gave 100% in practice. I feel good about what I did. I think it's best for me to roll out, go mm. home, eat my dinner, go to bed at 9. And you can keep doing reps if that's best for you. I just mm. think we compete too much with the competition. And then we don't pay attention to what is going to actually be optimal for us sometimes. Mm. So I guess it's about knowing, like discovering within yourself and maybe that's a difficult process, but like what's enough and like what your body and mental health yeah, needs. Yeah, it's trial and error. And yeah. that's what we were talking, I was talking about earlier today is like, it's trial and error. Like how does your playlist work for you? Um, you know, what time do you arrive? When do you wake up in the morning? What do you eat pregame? Like, I think those are all things we play with. Similarly, like if we try to eat everything Jordan eats before a game, like that's not going to make us play like Jordan, yeah. you know? So I think it is individual and I think people need to check inwards and figure out like what's optimal for them. That's the hope, mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's people that can't tap into what's best for them, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so that's the mental health aspect. And I know you do a ton of work with, um, and you've talked a lot as well about your eating disorders of the past and, and how you've dealt with that and how you're helping people. Um, maybe if you can just give like a brief outline to the audience with, with what kind of work you're doing along those lines. For sure. Um, I struggled with body image issues uh, kind of my whole life, but especially becoming a female athlete, it was, you know, magnified. And speaking of like the male-female thing and also just any people in general, I do think this is another issue where – even more so, men are out of the conversation. And I actually connected with a football player from SC who I knew during my time there. Um, I won't name this person or what, or give any details, but, you know, talked to me about some of the body images he faced. And, and I was just blown away because even you look at guys and you're like, oh, they're not thinking about it. But I had friends who played, like I had a friend who played at Washington and he used to have like, he used to eat, have to eat um, however many burritos to keep yeah. on weight. To gain weight. Yes. That's yeah. me. Yeah, and it's it's tough. It, like, messes so with your head. Um, you hate burritos? No, no, no. Burritos are actually pretty good. <laughs> um, but Just okay, the eating-wise. So, so on that track, I'm curious with how you how you work between, between this balance of, like, for my sport, I need to be this kind of, like, weight or size or strength. And okay, this is too much. You know, I'm I'm dealing with these issues mentally because of it. You know what I'm saying? Because like if For I'm sure. an if I'm an offensive lineman and I weigh 200 pounds, that's not gonna work, right? Yeah. Or myself at quarterback, you know, the idea is to gain enough weight such that I can sustain like a hit. Yeah. So I'm I'm yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, and it's one that is really relevant in sports and 
just to remind everyone, I'm speaking from experience, not an expert, but yeah. from my experience and the conversations I've had and the experts I have spoken with, there are certain sports, like take crew, for example, where if you're a coxswain, like you do have to be under a certain amount of weight. There yeah. are sports, you know, wrestling, you have to be in a weight class. And I think if that's your sport, then let's pursue that with a professional who can help us, you know, at the school or a nutritionist dietitian who can help you get to that goal in a way that doesn't ruin your mental health. The like right hook on that though is I could never do a sport like that. It would mess me up too bad. I could yeah. never be a coxswain. I could never have weekly weigh-ins. I would have to walk away from that sport. And that sucks. And that's tough. I would ask people, though, like, if you're really, like, withering away mentally, emotionally, and it's not healthy for you, maybe that isn't the dream anymore. Maybe that's not what's best for you. And that hurts. And I don't know everyone's situation, but I would say, you know, there's the obvious is, okay, let's pursue it in a way that is healthy and monitored and with the expertise of a professional and hey like if this is giving me hell every day in my life maybe I shouldn't keep playing this sport because my mental health needs to come first similar to Naomi who like put her yeah. mental health first in that situation but sucks it's, it sucks yeah is that something that that happens in volleyball the same with football fortunately no um fortunately we don't I mean at least on my team we didn't have to get weighed in you know, there's not really a body type. I mean, you obviously want to be tall and you want to jump high. Yeah. But um, all the bodies were different, even in the same positions. I have, of course, encountered teams where, like, they are being weighed in. Coaches want their players to look a certain way. You know, that's just, like, toxic. Yeah. Um, so it depends. But in general, the sport of volleyball, I'd say height and hops are the two hops. criteria. <laughs> yeah. You got hops? No. <laughs> Max does, no. though. Uh, does he? Does he? I'm He's a, a hooper. I'm you a, you heard his NBA comparison. Marquise Morris. Morris. Come on, bro. Oh, uh, you know. No, I played libero, so I was just defense. Oh, glued yeah, to the floor. So you're, you're glued to the floor. Oh, okay. And Max can jump. Yeah. Max can jump. That's that was so Any crazy. Issue. I think I was talking to my mom or something about this last week, about you coming on. I was like, can you even imagine if I walked into the weight room with my soccer girls and the trainer came and pinched my head? Like, can you even imagine? Like, I can't, like, it's like the local, we had, we had fat camp for the men's lacrosse team at Harvard. They, like, it's oh like, yeah, they you did. Know, have that was that. brutal. It's like they had to really? have a certain they percentage of loved body. It though. Well, they they Why? were told they had to have a certain percentage of body weight, like between this range and, um, like if they didn't or like, they'd have to keep doing. Uh, was it body fat percentage? Yeah, I think it was body, it fat might have been body fat percentage. Yeah, yeah and so uh, it just blew my mind. I think we've talked about it in the past with like teammates. I was like, can you even imagine Gosh, if a coach came and pinched horrible. my hip or pinched my like thigh or what? I'd be like, I, I'm stammered because I don't even know what I would do. That's horrible. Uh -huh. And like people, the standard is so different like, you, between yeah. guys and girls. I feel like in that respect, and you can't spot weight loss. Like you can't be like, oh, I have an extra amount of fat on my outer thigh, like. <laughs> How do I get that to go away? Like, that doesn't work. But And then it's like, gosh, I'll, I can come back for a whole episode on diet culture. Um, but I'm just kidding. But um, it's just, it's too much. It's too much to dive in. It's a lot to dive into. But, like, yeah, yeah, that's unrealistic. I actually had a question following that is, like, how do you think we should look at changing, like, the narrative around, I guess, body image and culture with, like, men versus women or, like, male versus female sports? Because I know that, like, because we don't have that test sometimes, like, because we ha didn't have, like, those – fat pinch tests or however you measure that for the girls. It was like, you know, people would see things or like people would hint at things. They're like, oh, maybe she looks a little unhealthy or she 
you know, looks or whatever. And like people would be talking about it rather than addressing these issues. Whereas like guys just go head on on their sports. Like, oh, okay, you're in a different, you know, weight class. Or like you need to go up, you need to go down there more direct. Like, how do you think like we can have a better narrative of like bridging those gaps between those drastic changes, I guess, between the two? I would just try to get away from how you look being the determinant of how you play because so often it's just not the case. Um, I mean, how often do you see someone and you're like, oh, like I could take you and then they school you. You know, it's like, I just think you can't look at someone and assume how. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell if Justice hates me or really likes me. Honestly, not often. I'm thinking pick up basketball. Like, honestly, like dude looks like, yeah, I was like, I got you, bro. (laughs) <laughs> no, you keep going. No, I, keep going. I just, yeah. I just, I'm just totally kidding. undermine her point. I know. I know. No, I'm no, just kidding. I'm just great. kidding. That's what I'm saying. Is like you yeah. can't. I don't think you should ever look at someone and assume their health. Just bottom line. That's yeah. my thought. Um, and I hope that we don't do that. I hope coaches. That's the thing is some people will be like, oh, I was first in my fitness test, but my coach told me to lose weight. It's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Like you beat your entire team, but they just said yeah. you don't look the part. I mean, that's where it's like, you know, outdated ways of boxing. The ideal body type, quote unquote. Well, what's yeah. the quarterback for the Patriots? Mac There's Jones. Mac Jones. Yeah. Have you ever seen Mac Jones? Mm-mm. Like, dude, looks oh, like. Could you pull up a photo? Okay. Yeah, he yeah. looks like he just Mac like Jones. got out the so, frat house at Ole Miss and just walked onto the field. Well, now you're body shaming him. I'm sorry. Like he just killed a bunch of beers. Or something. I don't know, but the the dude, like you wouldn't you wouldn't go, think, but like yeah, go. it goes back to your point. It's like that your body like image, and I think sometimes like, especially like when you're getting scouted in yeah. high school, like. Coaches are looking like, oh, that guy, I, I like the way his body's built. Right. right. And so, like, that that often plays into the recruiting go, process. Uh, go Mac Jones locker room. It'll come up. Yeah, there's like a. Wait, I feel bad. I don't want to look at this dude's body and, like, make comments. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no it it goes to your, to your point. point yeah. Or, like, guys who don't look really necessarily the part. And, yeah. He's a really good football oh, player. He great. went 15th overall to the New England Patriots. Uh, okay. Well, I love that for him in the male body image community. I don't know if you're gonna ask a question, but I honestly yeah. just want to know, like, what's your long term goal? You know, like, you've done so much up until. Why are you smiling? Because you're gonna like my answer. You're gonna be like not even shocked at what I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is it? <laughs> no, I'll let you finish your question. <laughs> All right, well, you've done so much up until this point. Like, that's kind of why I thought you were older. I was like, wow, she's like so successful at such like right now but like what what's your what's your goal you know 24 my answer is gonna be deep again that's why i know (laughs) oh i'm fine with deep we just gotta like go in and out of deepness i i don't know the work the work week has been a lot yeah okay (laughs) so as an athlete god i'm like i'm feeling myself get into like my intense mode as an athlete i've had many goals right like i want to go to usc i want to be the libero i want to win this i want to do that been so goal oriented and i found that i was so about the win that I wasn't present at all for the process or what was happening. Like, how did you even get from point A to point B? Like, I wasn't living in the moment. I was just trying to check the boxes. And so in my life, in my career now, I genuinely mean this. I don't have a five-year plan. My goal is that I wake up every day. I work hard. I honor whatever comes up for me in my life. And I do my best to serve the people who follow me. Like, and if I truly believe that if I do that today and I do that tomorrow and I do that the next day, that in five years I'll look back and I'll be somewhere cool. 
another really awesome thing that I learned from someone once is like, sometimes if you set goals for yourself, you could be setting limits because right now I'm like, like if your goal was, oh, I want to get this time. Like I want to run the mile in six minutes. What if you could run it in 550, but you're just trying to get 559. So you're not even pushing yourself to what you could do. And then the door, you're, you're closing doors subconsciously, like in a career, if I was like, oh, I want to do a TV show. And then let's say a book opportunity came and I was like, no, screw the book. I want the show. I want the show. It's like, I'd rather just be in a state of life where something happens. And I'm like, Ooh, does this interest me? Is this valuable? Do I feel passionate about it? And just kind of do it all day by day and then hopefully be somewhere cool. So that's my five-year plan. Wow. Also philosophical. That was, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Why'd you think I was going to react to that? Well, just because I, I wasn't like, oh, my five-year goal is X, Y, Z. Like I was like, okay, so day by day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love present mentality. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, I seriously I love that. Love that it's I like, think. It's like you're not chasing any specific thing, but if you do the you know things well on a daily basis, then it'll come to you. Is that kind of? Yeah, and it's been awesome. Like I've, I feel like before the pandemic, I was in such a different place than I am now Mm -hmm. career wise. And the only reason that I've gotten to where I am leaving the pandemic is because I was like, sure, I'll get on TikTok. Sure. I'll do this. Sure. I'll blah, 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 blah. And then it's like all that opportunity and that exploring and that stepping outside of my comfort zone has brought me somewhere cool. And so that's why I want to keep doing that. Um, I know you were big before the pandemic, but did, do you feel like there was uh, like a shift when like everyone was indoors? Like as a content creator, uh, I feel like a lot of people like came on the scene that weren't necessarily before. Like you mentioned TikTok. Yeah. Um, like, do you want like from a, like a number standpoint or from like a my. Yeah. Maybe like anecdotal or yeah. I don't know. So this is crazy because I was talking about this with Max and. I really try not to get caught up in, like, numbers. You don't look at them? I'm never going to have balloons with the amount of followers I have. That's just not going to be me because I want to humanize the number. Like, I want to humanize it. But it is crazy sometimes, like, every day, like, something happens that I snapped out of it yesterday. And, like, I entered the pandemic below 100K because I remember Max, like, getting me a bag of chips when I hit 100K. When he hit 100? Yeah, he gave me a bag of munchies and a balloon. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, here are your chips. I'm like, thank you. Um, And then then now it's, like, above the 300 mark, and I'm on TikTok. And it's, like, that is wild to me. And I don't think that would have happened if I wasn't indoors just creating. Um, But I'm excited to be out now to like meet all those people. (laughs) Hopefully. Come say hi to me if you ever see me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like for you though, and I know we got to wrap up pretty soon, but I feel like for you, like you're just so willing to help and you're, you're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to like put people, not necessarily put people in your circle, but like you just have open arms, right? Like, Hit me up on my cell phone if you're if you're if you're about that. Yeah. Like, there has to be some burnout to that. Like I like I don't I don't I don't know. That's do you ever question. you ever feel like maybe it's maybe it hasn't gotten to that point yet? But like, do you ever feel like you're burning out? Because like so much of it is social media driven, right? Yeah, like, for sure. So so two parts to this. The first thing I'll say is like I want everyone to succeed. Like that. Yeah. If my job could That's be just strong, like getting people and like when someone comes to me and is like. It's almost too much. They're like, oh, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I'm like, let's get coffee. This is what you need to do. This is how you should do it. These are the dimensions you post in. This is how you build a brand. Like, I just want to help people to the point where, like, people don't even, like, want the help. Like, but I'm just, like, I'm that kind of person. I've seen this quote where it's, like, don't talk to me too much because, like, I'll convince you that you could do anything you want to do in life. Like, that's how I feel. Like, I just want people to be 
fulfill their potentials. Um, but then to your second point, yes, I yeah. get burnt out. I took like two months off of TikTok a few months ago. Mm. I just recently took a five week break from YouTube. Like I can really feel okay. the burnout for sure. Um, another weird thing about my platforms is that they're my life. So yeah. if, you, if you guys posted tonight and said like, I was crying, X, Y, Z happened. I'm sure all of your friends and family would text you and reach out. I'm posting everything all the time yeah. that sometimes I feel like this is deep. Sometimes I feel like no one just says, Hey Vic, how are you? I Vic, let me, this is, <laughs> let me, let me just stop, stop you Am real I quick. Cry? <laughs> hey, let me just stop you real quick. Like my, look at my show notes that I wrote earlier today. What'd you write? Uh, well, I don't see, I wrote it while I was driving. Sorry for people, but I look, the first thing I wrote was just like, I just want to know, like, how does she feel like that's so like like honestly like that I, I think that's so like real like just like yeah. just how do you feel like eh, i don't know that that's that's what i wanted to ask you that was the first thing i wanted to kick off with but yeah. um we didn't get to that but that's that's so funny you <laughs> we said went that. straight we went straight into the hole yeah no that no that i feel that thank you that like hits me deep because even like my best friends who i know love me but it's like you get desensitized you just get desensitized mm. to i mean I just went to a, like a high school reunion type thing and this dude I hadn't seen since Sadie's sophomore year was like, the Jeez. new apartment with Max looks great. Saw you went to therapy on Monday. I'm like, dude, where do you live? What's your job? <laughs> but he knows everything about me. He knows what I did on my coffee table yesterday because he follows wow. me. And so in a it's cool and I love to do it and it feels authentic to me what I'm doing. But at the same time, I feel like people lose the sight of the fact that I'm a human <laughs> and I'm not just this thing on the yeah. internet who's like there to just inspire and comfort yeah. and so sometimes it does like hurt my heart a little when like i don't know yeah people forget that yeah, yeah. well even recently right with the story you were telling us with the doctor and yeah th she was telling i actually about. had a few friends text me about that okay. to which i was like oh my god that's nice thanks for reaching out yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, you're that's not an just interesting. A, it's a paradox, right? Because you're sharing everything, but yeah. then at the same time, it's almost distancing. Well, yeah. it's like no one, but my best friends would say like, and I know they're the best friends ever, but they would be like, I don't feel like I, like I, people ask someone how they're doing when they don't know. Yeah. My mm. Anyone can look at my Instagram today, see exactly what I did and how I'm feeling. So I do put myself in a position where like, what is someone supposed to ask me? But I will say there's a really weird element to my content being my life and my mental health as opposed to, like, I'm a fashion brand where, mm -hmm. like, I only post about dresses. Like, yeah, then my friends would be like, how are you? Yeah. But, yeah, another thing Max and I always talk about is, like, steamrolling achievements. Like, like you said before, you're, like, you're so successful. Like, Max and I actively try to, like, take a breather when something cool happens because mm. my friends, like, yeah. no one congratulates, no one, ex because it's just it's something expected. cool happened last week. Just and that's not to, yeah. and not to try to sound conceited at all, but, like, I think in general, everyone, like, if you do something cool in life, you want the next thing in life. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for asking me how I am. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really get to ask you, but that was what I was going to kick off because, I, I, like, I just, you know, you're kind of like a person, right? Like, I don't know. I felt like we should have just uh, said, "How do you feel today?" But yeah. we didn't get to that. Um, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I know we gotta we gotta wrap it up. You're also really f like you're full of a lot of quotes. Like you like 
have yeah. have low key spit out Very like quick. 20 just 25 <laughs> quotes that are like straight bars like from the like dome. bar just from the, do- from like, the so dome <laughs> yeah like how i'm here listening like dang yeah i'm a big fan of like i'm also very action oriented so like if i'm depressed i'm like what is going on with me how do i stop this feeling what do i do next right. if i'm anxious so like that's one thing and i love this about max too like i couldn't be with someone who wasn't this way but when people are just like, oh, my life is shitty, and they just, like, sit in the shitty and just complain, I'm like, oh, yeah. get you're, a book. You're always trying Do to something. find a way to Talk get to out. someone. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say all my quotes come from, like, seeking out all the help. Like, mm. Nicole Davis, sorry, this last thing I'll say, I know we, we end, but, like, Nicole Davis is a two-time Olympic medalist, best in the world at her position, just brilliant. She comes in to volunteer coach the volleyball team after freshman season. I'm like, holy shit you're the goat. I'm like, can I take you to coffee? Can I meet you tomorrow early before practice? Can I drive you home? And I went out of my way to build a relationship with her. She mentored me. I had her to lean on. Um, we are still friends. I'm going to go to her wedding. We hang out. It's been like five years. She comes on my show. I don't think she keeps in touch with anyone else from mm. the team. Maybe like one or two, but that's just the difference of, and that's not her seeing something in me. That's me seeing an opportunity and like charging at it and refusing to let it slip through my hands. Yeah. So I think with the book stuff and the quote stuff, like that's just me like researching and trying to learn things in life. Very proactive. Sheesh. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, bars off the head, man. Well, <laughs> I love that. I've learned a ton. I know Justice has. Yeah. Kat's a huge fan. There's it's no awesome way I have another girl on the pod. Not yeah. yeah. No so offense, Mo, but there's no mm. way I taught Harvard people anything. Let's be real. Are you joking? No, you <laughs> we were raving after you came and gave that talk. Oh. And I said that to you after, but like, oh my gosh, we were talking about you for weeks. That like, is so sweet. So many people afterwards would turn to each other like, I can't believe that she experienced this. Like I experienced this too. Oh. And then everyone was going, why were, why did, weren't, didn't we do it at a time where everybody at the university could see? We were like, why we need everybody to see this. Like oh. your, your stuff really hits. That so. means the world. Cause I was freaking out in the hotel with my mom. I'm like, these girls are from Harvard. I'm like, no, what am you I were, say you then? were so confident. They're going to think I'm this oh stupid girl with body images used and they're like becoming <laughs> doctors. <laughs> no, so many jaws were dropped cause you were just so raw. And I feel oh, like that's man. what works with your platform though. Is like you just, you hit exactly yeah. what people don't expect you to like whoa i can't believe she shared that that is so real like Aww. i feel that too and Thanks. it's very vulnerable because i know like a lot of the stuff that you've you post like i mean i've seen in a lot of you know people i've talked to are like whoa she's so brave to do that but that makes me feel more comfortable to do it too so like Aww. your stuff hits for sure Thanks. for Thanks. sure i appreciate <laughs> so thanks it for going on. <laughs> and thank, yeah thank you guys and yeah, thanks. Uh, this was like a really cool conversation i love yeah. having i love having deep talks i think my pet peeve is like going on a podcast and they're like how is the weather? And then like, it's an hour and I leave and I'm like, like I learned stuff from you guys, you know? Um, wow. So thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate that. That makes me feel great about today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, thank you so much, Victoria, yeah. for coming. Um, had a really good time. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Like, cool. comment, subscribe. Momentum truck. <laughs> subscribe. <Lord. laughs>